0: I'm Kylie. So about
1: the week a long time ago. And sometimes not so long ago. Yeah, what do we got to catch up on now, Kylie?
0: We have the week of October 12th through the 18th. Awesome. Yes. This all
1: Kylie show part two kicked
0: <laughs> off again. Hey Alright. Have you heard of Baby Jessica? No. Have you ever heard any reference to a baby Jessica in a well? No. Well, see what I did there. <laughs> you're about to oh, man. <laughs> on October 14th, 1987 one and a half year old Jessica McClure was playing in the yard at her aunt's house with some of the other children from her aunt's daycare when her mother, Sissy stepped inside to answer the phone minutes later, Sissy heard the children yelling and when she rushed, rushed back outside, little Jessica had vanished Uh-oh. now if you're not familiar with the story I this isn't a horrible kidnapping so don't worry
1: Kylie
0: we'll get to it Uh, Uh, (laughs) she she's fine (laughs) I'm just gonna say that at the start she's fine oh man anyway however I'm sure Sissy feared the worst until she realized that her daughter had actually fallen down an abandoned well in the yard and she was stuck Mm. yeah that's not great no. Okay. <laughs> so the wall itself only had about an eight inch opening, so how Jessica managed to fit down there is a different mystery entirely. How old was she? One and a half.
1: Oh wow. That's still small.
0: It's it's small, but I wouldn't think being able to fit in eight inches small. But I mean, I have no point of reference for how large one and a half year olds are really.
1: And honestly, it's very varying.
0: Oh yeah. The, the one-and-a-half-year-old we know is, like, the size of a three-year-old. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the family had also taken precautions against anyone potentially, you know, stumbling into this hole by placing a large rock on top of the opening. So I feel like my assumption is that, you know, kids playing in the yard, I don't know if you were like this, but... Me, like, when I was a kid, we played with rocks all the time, so, like, you pick them up and move them.
1: And I guess even if, you know, large is relative, this was an 8-inch hole.
0: Right, and not all of the kids at the daycare were one and a half. so some of them could have been older, and it could have been moved at a different time and no one noticed it. True. So there are a bunch of variables where, like, it could have been moved. Anyway, so Sissy later remembered rushing inside and calling the police and waiting for what she said seemed like a lifetime, although the response time was actually about three minutes. <laughs> so, was again? 1987. Oh, that's, that's really good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, so police quickly realized that getting Jessica out of the well would be a little bit more complicated than they had anticipated. So the police of Midland, Texas called in the fire department and local rescue workers to plan the best course of action to get Jessica out from where she was, which was 22 feet down the well. And the whole goal was to do this without causing her to fall deeper, because that, you know, is a possibility. Yeah. The difficulty was compounded by the way Jessica had fallen into the well, and they couldn't just pull her back up the way she came. Why? She had somehow become pinned inside the well with one leg up above her forehead. Oh. So, like, doing the splits, essentially. Oh, man. Yeah. Good thing children are so limber. Because otherwise, if it was you, you just would have broken the well, I think.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure I can lift my leg past my hip.
0: Yeah, so. No, you can't. You sit for more than like five seconds and you cramp up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> they would have to dig a slightly deeper parallel tunnel and then a horizontal tunnel to connect to the well shaft, um, which would enable them to pull her down and into the horizontal tunnel to get her out without, you know, hopefully causing more injury. Oh, okay. Yeah. So much like the government did in the movie Armageddon, they called in the professionals. Oil drillers. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, it is Texas, so it's not like they don't have an abundance of those there. (laughs) So initially, they hoped to free little Jessica quickly, but they soon realized that the well was surrounded by rock. The rescuers' jackhammers weren't ideal for this situation either, though, since they're designed, you know, for downward drilling and not horizontal drilling. Um, Another potential problem was that the stability of the old well shaft was unknown. Uh Old well shaft, who knows how, you know, bad this could go real quick. Um, There was also really no good way to tell if a jackhammer might cause shifting or shaking in the well just by being used near it. So... You know, better safe than sorry, don't want the baby to fall even farther down this well, because that would just make it even more difficult. So they called in a mining engineer to help supervise and to coordinate the rescue effort. So at this point, TV stations and reporters were gathering around the house and in neighboring yards to cover the ongoing rescue effort of the little girl who was dubbed, quote, everybody's baby. Local media outlet KMID-TV received calls from news organizations and private individuals globally seeking the latest information. The entire rescue ordeal was covered live on CNN, the nation's first and at that time only 24 hour news network. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, For only the second time in American history, the first time being the explosion of the space shuttle Challenger a year earlier, Mm. which not great. um, The entire nation watched literally around the clock as a dramatic news story unfolded live on TV. President Ronald Reagan told CNN, quote, everybody in America became godmothers and godfathers of Jessica while this was going on. Well, I mean, it was the 80s. (laughs) It, it, It was more like this was something that, you know, they hoped was the anticipation was that it would have a positive outcome. So especially in that time when, like, a lot of things were not great, it was very much... Look, this heartwarming, they're going to get this baby out of the well. It's a good thing kind of deal. I don't know. Yeah. So people across the nation held their breath as the rescue dragged into the second day. So they didn't get her out that first day. She was in there for a while. Uh, Baby Jessica tugged at the heartstrings of millions of people across the world with thousands of strangers sending her family flowers, toys, cards, and money. Donations totaling in the hundreds of thousands of dollars were set... What? Yeah. Yeah. People... Really connected with this on some level.
1: I know it's not that long ago, but that's a lot of money.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't look up exactly how much it is, but it was...
1: The inflation would also take part in that. Like, we had a huge inflation spike in the 90s. Like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Uh, So... Hundreds of thousands of dollars were set aside in a trust fund for her to inherit at the age of 25. In fact, many point to CNN's coverage of baby Jessica's rescue as a turning point in the history of news media, the genesis of the era of the 24-hour news cycle. So the fact that the news is always on, baby Jessica. So you can sort of thank her. I mean, maybe don't thank her. It's not really her fault. She was one and a half. Yeah. But, you know, that's where, like, a lot of, um, at this point, that having this constant news coverage became a thing. Like, this was basically the impetus for people to be like, oh, things are actually happening all around the world, not my, you know, just my little neck of the woods.
1: Oh! Everyone, this is when all of the boomers started going, things were better in my day, my! because they didn't know about all the things that were happening.
0: I mean... Uh Uh-huh. There's a reason. They're... There's a reason that the '60s and '70s were the golden age of serial killers. It's because no one knew they were lurking around the corner because there was no news. Anyway, moving on. on. (laughs) Oh, don't blame her. She was an hour. She was an an hour and a half. She was one and a half years old. She had.
1: (laughs) There is a lot more going wrong with how this baby got into that well than I ever
0: thought. She was one and a half years old. Good lord. Anyway, huh? So another part of the fascination with this this event possibly stems from the unsuccessful rescue of Alfredo Rampi in 1981 in Italy. The six-year-old had fallen deeper into, the, into a well than Jessica had at about 36 meters. And when the rescuers began drilling a parallel shaft, he slipped an estimated 30 meters further down the shaft. So 36 like...
1: 36 meters is a lot more than 20 feet.
0: Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. And then he fell another 30 meters. So like... He was way down in that well. I'm honestly kind of surprised the well was that deep. Anyway, the rescue effort garnered unparalleled media attention in Italy, following the story for 18 hours nonstop, and the Italian president at the time personally visited the scene. Uh, Despite repeated efforts to secure a harness on Alfredo to hoist him up, the child only continued to slip further down the well. Initially, images were transmitted live because it was believed that there would be a quick and positive outcome. But after some time, the situation appeared to be slowly worsening, and but it was too late to interrupt these transmissions. Yikes. So it posed a lot of questions about privacy and the ethics of broadcasting such events, which sparked a public widespread debate. So yeah, there bet. were definitely a lot of questions about, um, should this have happened? <laughs>
1: should no. we have um, showed this child dying? Yeah, probably not. TV? Probably not.
0: No, nope. but good news, Jessica gets out of the well. <clears throat> Anyway. Hey, spoiler. Well, you said it right the beginning. I did. She the yes, she was not the one that died. Yeah. Okay, I'm so. Attention. But back to Jessica. Um, early on in the rescue efforts, a microphone was lowered into the pit so she could communicate with the rescuers and they could attempt to help comfort her. They also continuously pumped oxygen into the shaft so that she didn't, like, accidentally suffocate or anything. Oh,
1: wow, hopefully they didn't spark anything while
0: drilling. <sighs> well, they were drilling side uh like side shaft so they weren't in the same I don't actually know if it would matter, I guess.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm just thinking child in oven at this point
0: because Oh. Well that could have been dangerous. I mean it was either that or she could suffocate. Yeah. So yeah, like Yeah. It was the eighties.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: There we go. Just leave it at that. <laughs> it, at that. it was the eighties. Um <laughs> geez. So one detective on the scene recounted his memory of the event. Quote, after listening to her for so long, I could tell her moods. At one point, she was singing. At another point, when a jackhammer started up, she didn't say any words, but used kind of a huffy little voice. You could tell it was an angry voice. I would say 80% of the time, she was either crying or making some kind of noise that we could hear. When we weren't calling words of encouragement, we'd tell her to sing for us. I'll never forget her singing Winnie the Pooh.
1: Okay, I was I was gonna ask if you, if you didn't just if you didn't look up what song it was, I was gonna be sad.
0: They also did like other nursery rhymes and stuff, but Winnie the Pooh was the one that really Winnie stuck out Pooh. with people. Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh. Pooh. Anyway, <clears throat> luckily for little Jessica, the mining engineer that was called in was familiar with a new drilling technique: water jet cutting. So a water jet cutter is an industrial tool capable of cutting a wide variety of materials using an extremely high pressure jet of water um or a mixture of water and an abrasive substance um and it's effective for cutting hard materials like metal, stone, or glass.
1: Water jet cutting is
0: super cool. Yeah, I'd want to see it in real life. So forty. 40- seen it? I don't think so.
1: I feel like uh-huh. all the like random like sponsored Facebook stuff that I get if,
0: oh, if it's a oh. video
1: it's like always like a crafty panda video or something, and it's, like, them cutting stuff with a water cutter or a laser cutter or building something.
0: I meant, like, in real life, not Uh, in video. I'd like to see it in real life. I think that'd be really cool. We had a
1: water cutter at house at one point.
0: Welp, no one told me.
1: Because we cut a tile
0: with it. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Um, So, 45 hours after Jessica fell into the well, the adjacent shaft and cross tunnel were complete. So, you know... Two days later, they can actually go down to actually try and attempt to get her out.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Now the question was, who was going down this tunnel to get her out? Ron Short, a roofing contractor, who had yeah,
1: pick the
0: guy named Short. That's a, good, that's a good <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no, it gets even better. Uh, so Ron Short was a roofing contractor, but he had been born without collarbones. Oh, and could collapse his shoulders like inward so That'd that he could work in tight, um, tight spaces. So he volunteered. Um, however, after much consideration, the rescue team actually decided to send a paramedic named Robert O'Donnell into the tunnel. Um, my assumption would be that he would be better able to assess Jessica's condition, oh yeah, and then hopefully prevent any other injury that could occur while you know trying to pull her out. Wet. Especially at like two days, like, yeah,
1: mm, little kid, two days yeah. in a well, uh.
0: dehydrated, yeah, extremely hungry. Yeah, I can only imagine that like someone without medical experience would have a harder time being like, okay, we can do this and, you know, don't move her like this, that kind of thing.
1: There's only only so much Winnie the Pooh you can sing to get you through.
0: (laughs) True, very true. Um, Okay, so O'Donnell was able to inch his way into the tunnel to Jessica and successfully wrestled her free from her position. He then passed her to another waiting paramedic who carried her up the tunnel and then handed her to yet another waiting paramedic who carried little Jessica to the waiting ambulance. So following her harrowing three days in the well, Jessica had to undergo several operations, one of which was to amputate a toe due to gangrene caused by the loss of circulation while she was in the well. And, you know, her leg was up above her head, losing all of its blood.
1: Surprised there wasn't more, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Uh, She also retained a scar on her forehead where her head rubbed against the well casing. Um, All in all, Jessica underwent 15 surgeries related to the incident, but probably thankfully retained no memory of her time in the well. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: You're so young, and
0: now you've got $100,000. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, as mentioned before, baby Jessica had grabbed the nation's attention. In 1988, the McClures appeared on Live with Regis and Kathy Lee to talk about the incident, and by that I mean her parents did most of the talking, since Jessica was about two. <laughs> uh, one of the f- photographs taken of Jessica's rescue, uh, that was taken by Scott Shaw of the Odessa American, was awarded the 1988 Pulitzer Prize for Spot News Photography. The photo shows baby Jessica cradled in the arms of a paramedic, her head wrapped in white gauze, her arms caked in dirt, her eyes, her bleary eyes just barely open. So like if you pretty much if you look up any like rescue of baby Jessica images, this is going to be the one that like shows up the most okay. because that was like the really big like image because, you know, like she was out and you could see that she was still alive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So, in 1989, ABC made a television program of the story titled Everybody's Baby, The Rescue of Jessica McClure, starring Patty Duke and Bo Bridges, and featured many of the participants from the actual rescue as extras. So, that's kind of nice. That's
1: fun. Yeah. I like when stories do that.
0: Yeah. However, the incident proved more difficult for the adults involved than it did for Jessica. In 1990, the McClures divorced. Uh, rescue workers in Midland feuded over a potential Hollywood movie deal and, like, how who would, and how the wor- royalties would be, like, distributed and stuff. Mm,
1: maybe they didn't deserve those pieces of
0: extras. Well, and in 1995, paramedic Robert O'Donnell died by suicide. Oh, no. After the rescue, he had suffered from post-tra- post-traumatic stress disorder, struggling to cope with the event and the ensuing fame and attention that he had gained, and then the subsequent decline of that. Um, so it was definitely like a roller coaster of emotions. And then, you know, probably all of a sudden being like, nobody needs me kind of thing. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's very sad. Um, but flipping it around a little bit for some good news. In 2004, Jessica graduated from high school. She has since happily married and has two children. And a lot of money. (laughs) When she turned 25 in 2011, Jessica received a trust fund composed of the donations from all over the world, which she discussed using um, for her children's college tuition and then also used to purchase a home less than two miles from the well that she fell into. So clearly no hard feelings about that well. Nope. <laughs> no memories either. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't have hard feelings if something happened to me when I was one and uh, I was set for yep. financially.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, also the donate donations totaled in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, so mm-hmm. plural hundred. Yeah, I I didn't want to look it up because I didn't want to pry. Like I feel like that's I don't know.
1: That's f- what? Okay, fine. Whatever.
0: Anyway, so like she she got a pretty good amount of money, and people yeah, chose to give inflation. it to her. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago, but inflation's still a <clears> thing. Yeah. Um. So Jessica doesn't often speak about her rescue. But in a more recent interview, um, she insisted that it had very little impact on her life, you know, except for the money. <laughs> uh, probably the missing toe. Well, yeah. Uh, she said, quote, couldn't cage me then. Why should it cage me now? Um, and well, yeah, yeah exactly right. Um, and while people who recognized her by the scar on her forehead still call her baby Jessica, she says the name doesn't bother her. Quote, like they told Lil Bow Wow, you'll never get rid of the little part. Cause you'll always be what you are remembered as. Yep. And that's the dramatic rescue of baby Jessica. Well, that was fun. Yeah, it was cute. I wanted. I don't know why, but I'm always like fascinated by that story. I know it like predates me. <laughs> I've never heard it before. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I didn't okay. Know. Yeah. No, it's and it's one of the few like child down a well things that actually ends well. So. <laughs> well that ends well <laughs> in a while or out of a while i guess <laughs> anyway oh
1: goodness gracious now i remember this time oh gosh we did this a, just a few minutes ago yeah <laughs> time for our call to action good job sweetie so if you want to find us you can find us on facebook and twitter at halfwit history you can go to our website at www.halfwit-history.com and you can find all of our episodes and there i don't think I've ever mentioned this, but there's actually little bubbles on the top of that website that have links to all of the different stuff that we have. Oh, cool. Yeah. I I don't know how I've never mentioned that before. But <laughs> you'll see. Um and if you want to reach out to us, go to halfwitpod at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, we'd really appreciate any comments, feedback, uh topic suggestions. If you know, if there's something that you really think we should cover, just shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you
1: now if you want to turn us into your baby jessica
0: oh no <laughs> oh no
1: <laughs> we do also have a ko-fi <laughs> www.ko-fi.com forward slash halfwood history and you can send us a, a little change a little tip it's a little tip jar that's what that is oh god i'm so uncomfortable <laughs> thousands of dollars we did not fall into
0: anything no <laughs> we fell into no wells <laughs> uh, uh,
1: i know our reach is growing but it's definitely
0: not national no it's uh, we're not gonna
1: take this more modestly just just any dollars will do and ko-fi is nice uh i don't think i've talked about this either but ko-fi is nice in the sense that it lets you do like one-time donations mm-hmm. whereas like patreon it's always like a monthly subscription mm-hmm. so you can do little one-time donations and we'd greatly appreciate it yes we would fun facts no, thank you to the fisherman for the use of our theme song another day. You can find the link to their SoundCloud down in our show notes.
0: Now fun facts. <laughs> now fun facts. <laughs> You go first.
1: I go first.
0: Yeah, you can always I go close? first now since it's oh, the Kylie I always show. <laughs> go first <now>.
1: You're
0: right. <laughs> well, feels <laughs> a
1: little weird saying this now, but we are on episode sixty-nine.
0: Oh, Jonathan! You
1: made episode sixty-nine about a little kid. Come on,
0: Kylie. Well, <laughs> I guess
1: I'm going to kind of go along, uh, you know, the the numbering route. We only get one chance to do this, really.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: so on October 16th of 1916, Margaret Sanger opens the first birth control clinic in the U.S. at 46 Amboy Street in Brooklyn.
0: Nice, nice.
1: Loosely 69 <laughs> themed. We're a PG podcast here, ish.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. What's your fun fact? Um. Well,
1: well, <clears throat> that's not a good sound.
0: Um, neither of mine are really uh themed towards the number. So, ah,
1: so the well was just disappointing me, not the listener. Yes. Okay.
0: Um, I mean, this is sort not really related, and my uncle's probably would probably kill me if I said it was related. <laughs> In um. The court, yeah. Then say it's related. <laughs> it's related. <laughs> um. On October 17th, 1991, the Blue Man Group's first performance in New York City happened.
1: You know, he might have some stories.
0: No, <laughs> oh, I'm sure he does.
1: <laughs> That's cool. Blue, Gr- blue Man Group's really fun. If you haven't seen it and you ever get the chance, do it. It's a lot of fun. Yep.
0: My uncle uh, spent quite a bit of time with them as one of them <laughs> in, uh, in Boston. So. some time in the Blue... In the blue. The blue <laughs> I, my favorite my favorite memory of this is he used to have so when I was young, he had a lot of hair, you know, typical musician, um, lots of hair, long hair. And then um I remember one year he came to visit, it must have been for a holiday, and I opened the door and I look up and there's a bald Corey, and I think I screamed and ran. <laughs> silly. Yeah, well, I wasn't expecting him to be bald. I think he got tired of trying to shove all of that hair under a bald cap, so. Yeah, I bet. Anyway, that's it.
1: Anyways, that's our show, as
0: always. And I'm your historian. Bye.